Good morning and happy new year. I like to keep track of um, kind of how things are going, what direction people are moving in, trends for the new year. Uh, and algorithms these days can do a pretty good job of predicting trends uh, and kind of various social networks put out there, what they're gonna say, Instagram and Pinterest. Um, what's gonna be in, in, 24, in 2024, what's gonna be big? Uh, here, here are some things which are tipped to be big in 2024. One is sustainable fashion, which I guess is kind of not surprising. You can see how that's going in terms of uh, kind of, which is good, I guess, going shopping in charity shops and the like. Um, so that's not that surprising. One maybe a little bit more surprising is what I understand is going to be called grand parkour, um, which is nothing to do with parkour, but grandpa basically dressing like a, your granddad dresses and, and kind of cardigans and tweed, I, I, I guess. That is uh, tipped to be um, in and on trend for 2024. Modest dressing is going to be good, which I'm all, all up for and I hope will stay the case for the next, I don't know, 15 years while my uh, daughter grows up. Bows are going to be in, bows everywhere apparently. Jazz is in and badminton as well. I think playing and, I don't know, I guess dressing. Anyway, badminton. Often things are kind of in and then out again and it all comes back round. I've uh, been watching a little bit of the Robbie Williams documentary um, and take that in the 90s, a dress just like people dress today because 90s fashion has been in, uh, yes, some, for some reason. Now, I won't, this morning I'm going to be talking about baptism. I won't go as far as to say that I think baptism is, is in or on trend, but I would... Uh, notice a change in the trend, I think, in how baptism and things like it are perceived. So five, ten years ago, I think baptism was just uh, kind of it's so strange. It's so weird um, and, and just seen as like this, well, kind of that's the, don't talk about that until you really want to really explore Christianity. And it's just a very outdated thing. And it is weird, right? I mean, we here get people in a paddling pool other places have kind of baptismals but they're just glorified baths really and and then push them underwater um and someone else pushes these people underwater and then we lift them back out again and no shampoo or anything it's just straight in the it's it is strange it is and it, the the strangest thing is that it's not just this physical thing but it is a physical thing that represents a spiritual truth and now, now I think that kind of that was all it was. I think now, yes, it is still weird, but I think the trend has changed a bit and the, the weirdness is, is kind of appealing with its sacred nature. And what was just outdated now actually, I think, is ancient and, and appealing as a result in some way. Now, I might be wrong, but I think there is a shift in perception of such things. At Grace Church, we started uh, 2022 by talking about reading the Bible and praying. We started 2023 by talking about communion. Now, in God's providence, we are just carrying on our series in Matthew, but we are going to be, not because we planned it, but we're going to be starting 2024 by talking about another ancient Christian practice in the form of baptism. I may touch on, on another one in fasting as well. This isn't going to be kind of an exhaustive theology of baptism, um, but 
or, or, or fasting for that matter. But we'll just follow the passage. We're in a preaching series through the book of Matthew and we've entered what we talked about. There's five teaching blocks in the book of Matthew and each one is preceded by a little story section, a narrative. And we're st- kind of starting that today. Today we're in the story bit that comes before probably the most famous teaching block, the Sermon on the Mount or, or the message of the kingdom. Where And in, this, in the narrative before, Jesus is baptised and tested. I'm going to read all of chapter 3 and some of uh, 4, but uh, we'll do it bit by bit as we go through it. So I'll start in, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. Just read the first six verses. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. So we are introduced to John the Baptist, who is an amazing guy. And uh, Jesus went on to say of him, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John. Jesus has got a lot of time for him. He's a great guy. And there is no doubt that John was a weirdo, was a strange man, perhaps actually quite on trend for 2024 because he's wearing very sustainable clothes, um, making his own clothes, which is, again, expected to be on on trend. Um, Very sustainable indeed. Certainly, he's got his own brand, which, again, maybe be quite fashionable these days. Uh, and, and he is baptising people. That's what he's doing. He's call him John the Baptist, the baptising one. And this is, I mean, to us, we kind of have a concept because uh, we're 2,000 years on of people doing this the whole time. But, but this is a new thing to be fully dunking people underwater, baptising people with a baptism of repentance. So verse 2 says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near, John is saying. And it says in verse 6, Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the river Jordan. So it's a baptism of confession, repentance. Repent and be baptised. That's the message that John is preaching. Remarkably simple message, R&B, you could say. Repent and be baptised. Repent and baptise. Sometimes I think we're a bit guilty of replacing the simple R&B with, with ABC uh, and uh, that, that, that's never a good thing. Now, there's, so let me explain. There's value in ABC and um, I don't just mean the alphabet. Uh, when we baptise people at Grace Church, we go through ABC with them. We kind of do it in advance and we just talk it through, ask them questions um, and then when they're in the water, we ask them questions to go through ABC. What I mean, right? A, admit, admit sin, it, that kind of acknowledging that you are not perfect. B, believe in Jesus and, and all that he has done for you to take your sins away. And then C, commit your 
whole entire life to following him. Now that's all good stuff, the ABC, and baptism is a huge thing. I don't, I don't want to give any other impression, but I think we can overcomplicate it. This is all kind of a dramatic thing that's happening in Matthew chapter 3, and yet it's also pretty straightforward. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan and confessing their sins, they were baptised. R&B. Repentance and, and baptism. Repentance requires two things. One is acknowledging sin and two is turning away from it, doing a yui, full, full repentance. Acknowledging that we are not all good. Actually, there is sin in us and sin in our hearts and in our desires, in our longings. And I'm willing to bet that acknowledging personal sin is not going to be big for 2024, be, be or trendy at least uh, in that sense. There's irony, isn't there, that in the word that the word trendy is the least on-trend word. Anyway, um, I'm willing to bet that acknowledging sin is not going to be hot. People aren't going to be wanting to do that, but, but the message of the kingdom of God says, give it up, right? Acknowledge your imperfection. Stop trying to deny it. Acknowledge your imperfection and be baptised into someone who has been perfect on your behalf. So acknowledging sin and then repenting also includes turning away from sin. Repentance is to turn around, do a yui. Don't acknowledge your sin, but then just carry on in it. Change things. Commit to following the teachings of Jesus. It, it requires some genuine kind of observable life changes. I was, uh, I was 13 when I got baptised, which was young but old enough to make different choices, to be able to make some life changes. I don't actually remember doing a kind of conscious decision but then a couple of years later re retrospectively looking back and realizing some things I'd done I, so I was um kind of on the school football team and the thing what you just if you're on the team that's who your friends are your, your school the, the football team are your friends and um probably isn't news to you that footballers aren't good people generally um they're not the best people to be hanging around and I just remember after I got baptised, kind of, it was in the summer holidays after year seven at school when I'd been hanging out. And I think from then on, I just kind of changed my friendship group and just started hanging out with different people. I realised I've got to change. Um, we'll see as we go on that Jesus will go on to baptise people with the Holy Spirit. A different thing to being baptised with water. He'll baptise, immerse you in the Holy Spirit. And it is that that empowers us. I'm not talking about willpower to just change, sort it all out, but spirit-empowered heart and intent and desire to change. So once you have repented, go ahead and get dunked. Get, get baptised into Christ. It's as simple as that. I'll come on to more what I mean by into Christ, but, but we can overcomplicate it. Replace R&B with ABC, actually just repent, be baptised. A question which I'll come back to a few times uh, as, we, as we go through, who should get baptised? At Grace Church, we, we want to be diligent. We want to be thorough and, and wise in who we baptise. But at the same time, we also 
want to make sure that we're not taking too long over it. We're not overcomplicating the R&B of, of the gospel. And in this passage, who is it getting baptised? It, it's Jews who are coming from Judea and getting baptised, which is interesting. They, these people were, were corporately the people of God. So I think you could be forgiven for thinking, or they could be forgiven for thinking that they didn't need it. They've, they've been circumcised, which is a sign of being in the people of God. They're safe. They're in already. But then John is saying, no, they still need to have individual and like, they still have their own personal sin that they need to repent of and be delivered from. And they need to be baptised. Read on, but bear in mind that, that question, who should get baptised? We'll read from verse 7 to verse 12. But when he saw, that's John the Baptist, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptising, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think, think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John does not mince his words. So who should get baptised? Uh, question. John kind of anticipates the position of many of the Pharisees and Sadducees who, who come and see what's going on at the River Jordan. Clearly... They don't think that they need to be baptised, for whoever does that. They, they are not included. And they have two reasons why they think that. Firstly, they don't think they need to repent. Baptism is baptism of repentance. They, they give loads of money. They, they pray a lot. They even fast a lot. And everyone knows that they do because they make sure that everyone knows that they do all of those things and that everyone sees them do all of these things. They think, well, that's fruit, isn't it? You're talking about fruit, what are you talking about? Look at, well, you know that we give loads of money. We pray and fasting all the time. John says, no, we're not talking about good deeds, good deeds that are performed in front of others. He says this amazing thing, no, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. It's an amazing phrase produce fruit in keeping with repentance it, it could say it actually sums up the sermon on the mount in some ways what jesus goes on to teach in matthew 5 to 7 fruit in keeping with repentance i think is fruit that is not good deeds that everyone knows about it, it, it's not that, that's fruit in keeping with your own reputation reputation and keeping with pride ultimately fruit in keeping with repentance is is humble, secret service and love of others and of God that comes from a place of knowing that our efforts are never enough. 
not trying to kind of rack it up, here's my good deeds, but out of repentance, I, I know I'm, I repent and, and I just want to give. I just want to love. I just want to serve. Not giving to the poor to make other people impressed or indeed to appease our own conscience. Using the poor, effectively, that's what we're, if you're doing it to appease your own conscience, you're using them to do it. But, but doing it out of a sincere love and humility. Fruit in keeping with repentance. And the second reason uh, that they don't think they need to be baptised is because they are Jews, which they were kind of touching on a moment ago. They're thinking, well, we are already safe. We're already in. Now, they're thinking in such a way as they think, well, we are, who we are is the people of God because their corporate identity is so big. It is difficult for us to grasp any sense of this because we live in such a different world because the air that we breathe is individuality we we just think in those terms of we are we get to decide who we are everyone has their own sense of individual worth and 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 uh, value and we just don't think in terms of well you are who you are because of the community you're in again our fashion shows this that it's all about individuality and, and expressing yourself for us we breathe the air of individuality but for these pharisees and sadducees and and all people of this day the air they breathed was was corporate identity so for them who their father was determined who they were and they're saying well, they're safe because their father is abraham so therefore they're, they, they're in but John comes against it. And, and we can often kind of just say individuality is all bad, but actually there's some value in it. It comes from Christianity, I'd argue. John says that they need their own personal, individual repentance. He says, forget who your parents are. You've got sin that you need to repent of. So they don't think that they need baptism for, because they think they don't need to repent and because they think they're already in anyway. But then John says, no, you don't think you need it, but you do. They had sin in their hearts. The fact that their parents had faith to circumcise them is not enough. And then we come on to read of Jesus, who was the other way around, right? So Pharisees and Sadducees didn't think they needed to be baptised, but John says they do. And then Jesus comes in and John says, I don't think you need to be baptised, but Jesus says he does. We'll read uh, from verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Who should get baptised? Again, that question. Why Jesus is a fair question. Why, what if, who should get, not, why does Jesus need to be? John knows he is proclaiming a baptism of repentance. And he knows that Jesus is the one who doesn't need to repent because he is sinless. It's kind of, it's just, it's not really for you, Jesus. I'm doing this thing about these 
it's not, they're not for you. This, this, this baptism is not for you. But, but Jesus says, no, I do need to. And he gives a few reasons. The main one is, he says, it's proper to fulfill all righteousness. I think it's kind of a confusing phrase. I think Jesus is saying he has been sent by God to achieve God's purposes to save the whole world. His purposes for salvation. And Jesus is saying that baptism is a necessary part of that. It's a necessary step in that, in that job. That's one reason. Also, it is a, it's a public declaration of who Jesus is, his baptism. There's this public moment of God the Father saying, this is my son. This is the son of God. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This, when I was a teenager, was my favourite verse in the whole Bible. I just thought it was... It just, to me, it seemed like God was being a bit gangster, a bit, and, and I love the way he talked. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And uh, I just, I enjoyed that. Um, but it, it's an amazing de- public declaration of this moment. Also, another reason Jesus is baptised is it is anticipating the cross where Jesus will go on to fully absorb the wrath of God and go down to the depths of death, not, not the wrath of God at his own sin, but your sin and my sin, the sin of the world. But then he will be raised back up again, back to life. It's anticipating that. He doesn't need to be baptised for his sin, but for ours. He will take our sin onto him and we will take his sinlessness from him. It's worth clarifying that all of this that John's baptism is slightly different to ours it was not just a baptism of uh, repentance for the forgiveness of sins that we have received as Christians we are baptized into Christ yes for the forgiveness of sins but into him which means that we fully identify with him I'm just going to read verses from Romans which just spell this out I won't I won't really comment on them because they they, they say it as clearly as necessary of what's happening. We are baptised into Christ. It says this in Romans 6. Don't you know that all of us who were baptised, if you've been baptised this year, all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certain, But if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Glorious. We are baptised into Christ and his death and resurrection. Jesus being baptised is part of us uniting with him in his death and in his new life. And of course, another reason, it's an example for his people to follow. If he did it, his followers should do it as well in terms of getting 
baptised. So back to who should get baptised. Simple answer is believers. Repenters. Who should get baptised? Believers. Acts 2, 38. Peter is preaching to a crowd and it says they were cut to the heart and they asked, what should we do? And what's the answer he gives? R&B. He says in, in Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. According to scripture, it makes no sense to be a believer who is not baptised. It is a public declaration and demonstration of who we are and what we have done in repenting. Repentance is kind of private and baptism is public. If you are a believer, it makes no sense to not be baptised. The late uh, preacher at Westminster Chapel, Greg Haslam, he say, the world is full of unbaptised believers and baptised unbelievers. The New Testament knows nothing of either. Unbaptised believers, it makes no, it's nothing, New Testament knows nothing of that. You're a believer, get baptised. And some of my theological heroes hold to baptising or christening babies. But it makes no sense biblically. And it is making essentially the same argument that the Pharisees and Sadducees were saying, because of who my parents are and because of what they did, I don't need to be baptised. But scripture says you need to repent and be baptised. Be saved from the coming wrath. Repent of your sin and be baptised into the forgiveness of sins and receive the righteousness and the sinlessness of Jesus as your new identity. Individual faith in Jesus and all that he has done matters. And in believers' baptism, other people baptise us, which is important. Because it's kind of saying we can't save ourselves. You don't just baptise yourself. You need to be baptised. But it is always based on our repentance and on our confession. It's based on that that we baptised. No one else is. Back to the narrative. Jesus has had the spiritual high of all highs at, at this point, right? When God the Father has appeared, the Spirit's descended like a dove, and this is my son whom I love. And then you get chapter 4, verse 1. I'll just read a, a few verses, then jump down to verse 11. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's a, that's a great verse. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We'll skip down to verse 11. Jesus is tempted a couple more times. Again, he just re responds by uh, saying scripture. It says and then in verse 11, then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Just a couple of comments on, on this. I won't be as long as I wasn't baptized, don't worry. Jesus goes from this spiritual high of his baptism to being taken to the wilderness to be tempted. And, and this is before 
the most important ministry in history, right? The ministry of Jesus. There's a lot on the line for him to kind of get through this well. And it's an interesting twist on spiritual battle, what we talk about, or kind of being under attack, being under spiritual attack. Now, certainly, Jesus is under spiritual attack here. This is a spiritual battle. But did you notice in verse 1, it says the spirit led him to the wilderness to be tempted. God will test us for ministry. It, it, it's there throughout loads of times in the New Testament. It's, it's the spirit, it's God himself who has led Jesus to this moment. It's not, it's not the enemy getting one up on God. It's an interesting perspective on, on spiritual attack. And, and Jesus' sinlessness is proven. He, he succeeds where Adam has failed. And, and vitally where Israel has failed repeatedly in the wilderness and crying out for God and the, uh, for, for Mareba and for the water, crying out for bread. Jesus succeeds where they failed. He uses scripture, Deuteronomy, uh, to counter the lies of the enemy. And uh, John Stott on these verses just has this great line. Um, he says, we are not meant to live on spiritual heights. It's a really helpful insight. As you look into... 2024 and, and kind of look ahead like, let's pray for amazing moments in and with God right pray for it let's 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 have those moments but don't count on or depend on those moments pray instead and fight instead for for daily discipline and faithfulness highs might come right I Maybe they'll come like Jesus' baptism moment. Highs might come. They might be really high. Lows almost certainly will come. And it is perseverance and it is faithfulness that will pull you through. We are not meant to live on spiritual highs. And uh, just another comment on it. I think it should make us pause that before Jesus got on with things, right? And you've got some important things to get on with. He fasted for 40 days. I think, what a waste of time. Just get on with it. Like, you've got, you got a job to do. What, what have you achieved in this? It, it set him up for, for what's to come. The primary value of fasting is showing God that we believe it is him that we need more than anything else. Even more than bread. Even more than food. We need him. We're showing God that and we're showing ourselves that. It is saying not just man will not, will, will, will live, will not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. But it is saying, I will not live on bread alone or anything else, but I will live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's a radical thing to do in our modern world, right, where you can have whatever you want pretty well instantly. Certainly information, you want to know something, you got your phone, just Google it, you're there. You want to buy something, it will get there to you pretty quickly, wherever it is in the world. It's all instant. It's a radical thing to deliberately withhold things from yourself in, in fasting that, that will combat this, this, this sense of kind of, I get whatever I want whenever I want it. I think you could make a good argument and a good case to say that fasting has never been more necessary maybe beneficial than it is in our modern world where we're just so used to having whatever we want whenever we want it 
This coming week, we're going to be praying into the new year. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evening, we're going to be gathering at the Grace Centre in Chichester to pray into all that God is doing. And uh, why not join us in fasting, right? Pray for for God to move is what we're going to do. Um, And why not fast as well and demonstrate to him and to ourselves that it is really him that we want more than anything else as we look ahead into the future. We are going to be praying and, and, and fasting. Why not fast one of the days? Don't eat anything, drink, don't fast. As a way to say to God, it really is you that I need. I'm not living on bread, I'm living on you and your words alone, God. Why not join us? We're going to be praying. Do you know what we're going to be praying for? We're going to be praying for an abundance of R&B in 2024. Not, not Aretha Franklin, repentance and baptisms. We're going to see God move uh, among us. We're going to be praying and fasting for that. But, and this is important, don't do it because I told you to, right? Don't do it because you want to help out. It might help the January diet, why not? Don't, don't do it so that you can feel good about yourself. Do it because you want God more than anything else. This year and every year after. Our world that we live in tells us to perform. In fact, who you are is how you perform, how you express yourself. That is who you are. That is exhausting. And I would say it's metaphorically killing people today, mostly young people, and also sometimes tragically, literally killing people. It is, it is killing us to, to, to define who we are. Christians are those who are baptised into Jesus Christ. That, that means we don't have to achieve or perform who we are. Instead, we are who we are, not because of what we have done, what we have or will achieved, but because of what we have received. We have received a new identity from Christ, united with him. And that means that what is true of him becomes true of us. What is said over him is said over us. It's a sacred and precious thing. In baptism, is a physical thing that represents a spiritual truth. And God the Father says over the Christian who is baptised into Christ, this is my son, this is my daughter. I am very pleased with him. I am very pleased with her. You don't need to nail it this year. Just look to Jesus and all that is true of us because of what he did. We can point, as those who have been baptised, we can point to our physical baptism and remember, we got wet. We, we remember, I, remember getting, I remember the towel. I remember those things and, and stepping out and I hugged my mate when I was still wet and got him wet. Those physical things... We can remember that and know that because of that and because of his amazing grace to us, to to save us, and as a matter of objective fact, God is well pleased with me in his mercy because what's true of Christ is true of me. Not a future better version of me, not a previous better version of me. With all my hurts, with all my errors and sin, by the work of Christ and the mercy of the Father in the gospel of God, he looks at me and is well pleased.